0: Welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. We have a great show today, but first, take a second to make sure you've subscribed to our show wherever you're listening to podcasts. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks. Okay, let's get started. What if you went to see your doctor, and instead of sending you to pick up a new medicine at the pharmacy, you walked away with a prescription for exercise? That's something many doctors say should happen a lot more often than it actually does. Now, when it comes to actually exercising more, it's easier said than done, right? Relax. This is a no-judgment zone. Our guest today freely admits that she's not exactly a poster child in this department. Dr. Neha Pathak is a medical editor here at WebMD. She can tell you all about how incredible exercise is for your body, mind, and mood, and about why it still seems out of reach for her. Dr. Pathak recently wrote about this for WebMD, and we'll link to her story in the show notes. Dr. Pathak, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. This is a very personal topic for you. You write about your family's history of heart disease and how that's always... Cast a shadow over you in your life. Uh, Tell us about that.
1: So, I think the first thing that's important to know is that I grew up uninsured. So, my family and I didn't have insurance for a lot of my childhood. So, we really tried to avoid getting sick. um, And that was just a big fear for us. At some point, my family got insurance and then it felt to me like we spiraled into this world of sickness. So my father was diagnosed with severe hypertension, which means severe high blood pressure. Um, then he shortly you know, went to a cardiologist. We found out he had heart disease and then he had a relatively mild heart attack. But during a procedure, the cardiac surgeon told us that he had seen multiple areas where he had found sort of some dead heart tissue and that indicated he'd had probably several silent heart attacks before then. This is kind of why just this experience just of this rapid downward spiral, I think had a big impact on me in terms of making me feel like, wow, things can change so fast. And um, that's always kind of been a fear in the back of my mind
0: i've 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 read the piece you've written about this, and I was really surprised to learn that you kind of have felt like a heart attack is basically inevitable for you, uh, which is a pretty serious uh, thing to live with. Do you still feel that way?
1: That is a great question, so I really feel like it's just been such a part of my subconscious for so long that it's been really hard to shift my mindset. And I think this is true for a lot of people and a lot of the patients that I talk to. So, you know, they just tell me, well, my grandmother had diabetes, my mother had diabetes, so I just know it's inevitable for me. My father had a heart attack, so I'm waiting for mine. And that is really a very similar sort of mindset that I had, even knowing what I know as a physician. But I think it's very clear, knowing the science, that chronic disease is not inevitable. Um, and that there are absolutely changes that we can make. Um, and those changes probably more than anything can prevent us from a chronic condition or having a heart attack more so than the pills that i prescribe. prescribed. So that mindset shift has, has definitely started to happen for me.
0: I can see how a lot of people would, you know, look at their family history. They see lots of folks um, who've had you know, heart attacks or maybe even cancer or different types of diseases. And just, they kind of resign themselves to the, you know, this is just, this is just my fate. But it's kind of interesting that you've been able to sort of shift that mindset for yourself. Was that particularly hard for you? Or was it just like the more you learned as a doctor, you sort of, you sort of saw how much control or or even you know, the amount of control that you had over your, your sort of medical destiny.
1: Yeah. I think that it was really initially in the world of medicine, it felt like, well, if you just take these medicines as I prescribe them for you, then you will be okay. If you just do things the way I tell you to do them medically, then you should be able to delay this from happening to you. And I think my mindset shift has happened really in looking at the research around all of the other things that I don't normally prescribe. So the exercise, the eating, the really thinking about food as your medicine, um, looking at that research has really shown me that, yes, no, there's absolutely things that I can prescribe to you that you can start tomorrow um, that can prevent um, chronic disease, heart disease. Um, arteries from getting clogged. And if you already have those problems, even making these changes can help manage the condition and potentially reverse it in some
0: people. That's encouraging to me to hear um, that you can, there's a lot that you can still do on your own. And we all know we should exercise. That is certainly not news to anybody um, listening to this podcast. But do you think people really grasp? how powerful it truly is in terms of its effects on your health?
1: I think that there's this perception, and I had it for a long time as well, that exercise is really something for wellness or for fitness or for improving your performance in certain ways. Um, And that, again, is another mindset, mindset shift to think about exercise and the other pillars we talked about, so particularly food, managing stress, really getting restorative sleep as medicine that really helps you on a personalized level. So I don't think enough people recognize that when you shift these things, you are releasing a whole bunch of chemicals inside your own body that help prevent the inflammation, that help fight the inflammation, that causes a lot of the chronic diseases that we have such a hard time stopping and reversing with pills.
0: I also think exercise gets especially tied to weight loss. That's a lot of people sort of link those things together. And it's certainly obviously a powerful tool for weight loss, but just because maybe you don't feel like you have to lose any weight, maybe, you know, people still don't realize that there can be additional benefits, even if you have a healthy weight, that it's something you should absolutely prioritize too.
1: That is a, that's a great point. And I'm so glad you brought that up. You're right. So a lot of people think about it. So for example, thinking about myself, if you saw me, you would see that I'm relatively thin. My family, my father, my uh, grandparents, they were all relatively thin. We eat a vegetarian diet. So really, you would think, okay, these guys are probably doing a lot of the things that you should for, for good health but when you get down to it, you recognize that we're pretty sedentary people. And that even though we're vegetarian, we eat a lot of fried um, and fatty foods. So like you said, exercise doesn't just play a role in helping you lose weight. It It helps you internally fight back and beat down the inflammation Um, that comes from being sedentary or eating foods that you, you know, you shouldn't be eating.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the conditions um, that exercise can help with, you know, people who, who have uh, chronic conditions that they're managing. What are some of those conditions where you could get help from exercise and how much of a difference can it make?
1: So there, the list here is pretty endless. So just like with a pill, I would be giving it to you for a certain medical condition, but with exercise, I could prescribe that for, like you said, to help you stay trim, to help you improve your cholesterol, to help you make your bones stronger, keep your blood pressure in the right range, make you feel better in terms of your mood, and lower your risk for certain cancers, like breast cancer and colon cancer. So the list really is, is endless.
0: How much exercise is enough? Um, and, and how often? Does it depend on who you are, what kind of conditions you're managing? So yes
1: to everything you said. So I think that what a lot of us know about are that there are some physical activity guidelines out there somewhere and that should be our goal. And that's a good goal to have in mind. The physical activity guidelines are essentially 150 minutes of exercise a week. So that's about 30 minutes of exercise every day. Um, Moderate intensity. So that means you should be, you can walk but still can uh, have a conversation. Um, And then two times a week, if you can do some sort of strength training, that would be the goal. If you do vigorous exercise, that means you're running. Um, Just 75 minutes a week um, would help you meet the physical activity guidelines. But it's really important to remember, you have to think about where you're starting from. So for me, I was really starting at zero. Over the summer, or I guess it's been a year at this point, I had a baby um and that really kind of affected a lot of the the good behaviors I was doing. so I really was was pretty sedentary. So for me to think about doing thirty minutes a day of any kind of physical activity or exercise was really beyond what I could could handle and And the good news is that just starting and getting up out of your chair and walking for five minutes a day, that's where I started is enough to, to see some improvements. And then you slowly ramp up until you reach those guidelines.
0: Something that I've heard Dr. Michael Smith, who's our, our chief medical editor at WebMD, something that he's said that always that I always remember in my life is like if you do more today than you did yesterday, then that's that's a win for you. You know, that's something to go on. because um, I, I I also struggle with those barriers to exercise. You know, you you even just saying 30 minutes a day, which is what most most folks should be getting, you think about your calendar, your schedule, and, and all the things that you're doing in a day, and you're like, where am I going to find 30 minutes <laughs> to actually work it in? Do you have any tips in your own life for, for places that you've, how you've been able to, to find the time to make that time? Yeah, so I think that
1: having that 30 minute goal, you're right, it's just like, if you think about that as a chunk of time in your schedule, it almost feels like you're. it's over before you've started. So what's helped me is to recognize that the science shows that it doesn't have to happen in one chunk. It's really all about staying active throughout your day. So what I'll do is if I have to take a break and, and walk to the restroom, that turns into, okay, for five minutes, I'm not sitting down. This is when I sort of started my getting back into the to the physical activity world, right? So I wasn't thinking, okay, let me make it to 30 minutes. I was just thinking, okay, I'm up. I have to go to the bathroom. Let me now not sit back down um, until I've walked around for five minutes. So having that sort of break up my day has been really helpful,
0: I've heard a lot about that concept of like exercise snacks, like where you can, you know, just for like 10 minutes at a time, get up out of your chair and do something physically active um, so that you are, you know, breaking things up and, and really kind of maintaining physical activity throughout your day. So that's kind of interesting and makes it a little more approachable than you must find 30 minutes to exercise all at one time.
1: Yes. And I think also shifting the word from exercise to activity is it was a key barrier or mental kind of once I broke that barrier, it became easier too. I'm just not the kind of person that is going to go to a gym. I just have to recognize that about myself. And I think people have to just think, what is it that fits with my lifestyle? Am I someone who enjoys swimming? Am I someone who enjoys gardening? Um, am I someone who just likes taking walks? Um, with my friends or my partner, any of that counts as activity.
0: I do want to talk about some of the other barriers that I think are common and maybe you've experienced these. Do you do you find that you just hate to work out or exercise or, or um, does it run deeper for you? Is there any feelings of fear or shame on some level? Have you ever experienced that?
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like, especially as a physician who knows a lot of the science and a lot of the medicine, um, the reasons to do it, um, the fact that I can't motivate myself to go to a gym or to exercise in the way we traditionally think about it. Definitely, I have some, I wouldn't say shame around it, but I definitely have some guilt around it, um, just because I know how important it is. Um, So I think what I've done is I've changed the labels I've given myself. So one of the things that's helped me is taking my daughter to daycare. I now have started to try to fit in walking her down as many days as possible. So now the label I gave myself is I am someone who walks my daughter to daycare. So I think that that, having that label whenever it's possible, it just helps motivate me to, to take that one mile walk down to bring her down to daycare. The other key piece is what you said at the very beginning—a no-judgment zone. So sometimes it will be raining, or sometimes there's a lot of traffic, and I don't feel like walking her down to daycare, and that's okay too. I just think about other ways that I can make it up throughout the day.
0: Is it hard for you to be so um, kind of open about this? You know, like you said, you are a a physician. You obviously know, you know what it takes to, you know be a healthy person in terms of the lifestyle behaviors that will get you there. Is it hard for you to to talk about those things in light of all that? Or are you hoping that people will be able to relate to you when you, when you kind of talk about your personal struggles here?
1: The interesting thing for me personally is it's not so hard to open up. I feel very comfortable with my patients in the office to speak on a personal level. And so this just sort of felt like an extension of that. I really think that the way we make change is to identify with somebody else who has maybe had similar struggles and then found some way to overcome those. Um, And I really think about it as a learning experience. So the same way talking to you and, and, and hearing some of the barriers that you may have helps me kind of recognize, wow, we're not alone in this. This is really a similar feeling. It's very common. And here are some ways that we can all, by talking about it, come up with strategies that something that might have helped you might help me and vice versa.
0: Something that I have been struggling with over the the pandemic is this question of, you know, kind of, it's. I think it's a lot of the the time element and the availability of exercise, but yet I still feel like I can't make myself get out there and do it and then i wonder like if i'm being too hard on myself at times like <laughs> considering yeah. everything that we've all been living through in the past year and a half or so i wonder if you have felt that as well like you know sometimes even if and even what you were mentioning earlier about reframing how you think about exercise and your approach to it maybe if we all just kind of cut ourselves a break and and acknowledge that it is hard so we feel less bad about it maybe that would make it a little easier
1: I totally agree with you. And I think it's really important too, to cut yourself some slack on the days that you can't make it, or you you just couldn't fit it in. Um, for me, what's been really helpful is just to really break it down, like you said, into little snacks and try to do as much as possible. I also think it's important to be thinking about how long you're sitting or being sedentary. So not just, hey, did I do my 10 minutes during my bathroom break, but hey, have I been sitting for more than 30 minutes, okay, that should be a trigger in my mind to do nothing else but just get up and walk somewhere for a minute or two. Um, I think keeping track
0: of both things is relatively important. If you're kind of interested in fitness, you know, you see a lot of glorification of people who say they wake up at 530 every day so that they can get their, you know, 60 minute workout in, And I just, I'm never going to be that person. And I think once I realized that and acknowledged that, it did become easier to see the other ways where I could actually work it in throughout the day.
1: Right. You're absolutely right with that. I think if you have this feeling of guilt before you've even started, that overcoming that mental guilt becomes a barrier as well. So it's really important to know ourselves and to know what is it that we're actually going to be able to do and take it from there. And then don't overload yourself with where you need to get to. Like I said, I was starting at zero and I wasn't thinking, okay, well, I need to work myself up to 30 minutes a day. I still have not worked myself up to 30 minutes of vigorous or even you know, moderate level exercise at this point. For me, it's really being mindful of not being so sedentary and taking as many breaks throughout the day as I possibly can just to walk around. Um, and then slowly, as I'm able, I will shift toward trying to get more brisk in my walking. For me, walking is really one of the things that I know I can fit into my lifestyle. So that's that's where I'm starting.
0: For some people, this all gets wrapped up with privilege. Um, you know, the workout machine or the gym membership that costs a lot of money or, you know, yoga pants that cost, you know, $100 or more or a fancy device that tracks your heart rate, you know, social media posts about, you know, how fit you are and how dedicated you are. What do you want people to know about who exercise is really for, you know, when they're kind of seeing this landscape of, of all these, you know, devices or classes or things that they may not have access to?
1: There are so many ways to make things a barrier for ourselves mentally that it's a good idea to start eliminating those things. Just like people talk about elimination diets, I think we should do some guilt elimination as well. So really the key point here is we should be moving as much as we possibly can throughout the day. So as long as you have sneakers or shoes that are comfortable to walk in, you've already got that piece of the puzzle. As long as you have some loose fitting clothes that you can't, that you're not afraid to sweat in, okay, that piece is complete as well. Do you need to go to a gym? No, in fact, it's better to go if you have trees in some natural landscape or a park around where you live, getting outside and doing your walk in that area has multiple added benefits. So it's really about um, trying to figure out the things that work for you. And I think in terms of social media and sharing your goals, sharing your goals has been shown to help you keep and achieve your goals. So find some friends that you can check in with and hold yourself accountable. So like I said, I always call myself now someone who walks my daughter to school. And I I tell people that I say, Oh, I walk my my kid to school. So that is another accountability piece for me. So the next time I'm talking to that friend, I can say, I did it two weeks, uh, two times this week, or I did it three times this week. And it just holds me accountable to trying to do it as much as possible.
0: That's a great thought about that use of social media, or even if you're not on social media, just like, you know, your social network communicating that out. Because I think of, you know, talking about your fitness on social media, and I think of people who are posting pictures of their, you know, six-pack abs or something on social media, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. No, it doesn't. If I think if that's social media, something that clicks for you and you want
1: to post that, hey, I I did a walk two times this week, or I did Tai Chi four times this week, that can be a great way to hold yourself accountable.
0: The piece that you've written for WebMD is um, about exercise as medicine. And um, I wonder if we could sort of get into some of the nitty gritty about how the some of the physical changes in the body that can sort of mimic the effects of, you know, something you might a medicine that you might take to manage a condition. Can you sort of give us an idea of what some of those physical, biological changes are? Sure. So
1: there was one particular study that I found really interesting, and and at this point there have been several studies like this, which show that with activity, so moderate to vigorous exercise, over nine thousand chemicals changed in the bloodstream, which to me is such. A great visual so that when i now get up and and ramp myself up and and walk and this was about i think it was about 10 to 12 minutes that that people um did this for they had this drastic change in their blood system with sort of a whole orchestra of chemicals inflammation going up and then down chemicals that help with your blood vessels opening more going up so there was a whole cascade of, of, of chemical messengers sort of doing this this dance inside the bloodstream that really helped personalize the medicine um, that the individual needed and when I kind of equate that to a medicine or a pill that I can give there's really nothing um, in my toolbox that that can make that same kind of change. I can give you something that opens up your blood vessels and maybe changes the way your heart pumps, but I can't give you anything that makes that level
0: of change. It's truly personalized for you and your body. That's fascinating. We should note, though, that if your doctor has prescribed medication for you for a particular condition, um, that you should continue with that of medication with, and you should not just stop taking it because you're exercising. Obviously, this needs to be a conversation you have with your doctor if you're taking medications right now.
1: Absolutely. There should be no stigma in terms of taking medications or being on pills. This, is, this conversation really is not about feeling like you're being blamed or shamed for taking medicines. We sometimes will still be in situations where we have the healthiest lifestyle we can possibly have and still need certain medicines. Certain medicines are absolutely life-saving. So all of this uh, conversation about exercise and changing your diet really needs to be done in conjunction with your healthcare provider to make sure that you are optimizing your plan so that you can be as healthy as possible. Really, we want to think about exercise, food, stress, all of these things, stress management as ways of optimizing any therapy that you might need.
0: In your piece, you talked a little bit about how uh, this is a conversation that physicians should be having regularly with their patients. And, and surely there are many who who do have that conversation, but many who also don't. I'm curious if you are Wanting to have this conversation with your doctor and your doctor is not um, has not brought it up to you. Do you have any tips for people who in terms of how to kind of start this conversation with their doctor and, and make it a productive conversation?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing if your doctor has not broached this topic with you is to approach it with them. So to just say, you know, I've heard that there are some great um great benefits to increasing my activity levels and trying to exercise, can you help me do it in the safest way possible? With your physician, you absolutely can bring it up and request some information about how it would fit in with your current health conditions and what's the safest way to get started.
0: Sometimes I feel like, you know, your doctor asks you if you exercise and you might say, Yes, absolutely I do. And you you may not, or maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just giving myself away here. The doctor is, it can feel like a judgmental question, I guess, or a loaded question, but starting that conversation in an honest way could actually be helpful. Dr. Neha Pathak, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to hear your personal story. It was really inspiring for me in terms of thinking about how I can work exercise a little more into my daily life. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for starting this conversation.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. Hope everyone has a great week and we'll talk to you next time.